Well, hello and welcome to Electric Virgins, a podcast brought to you with Green Flag that puts celebrities into electric cars for the first time and then finds out what they really think of them. I'm Ginny Buckley. And I'm Tom Ford, but not the good or the famous one. (laughs) So, Ginny, let's not waste any time this week. Who is our electric virgin? Now, our guest today is famous for being a Blue Peter presenter, a Sky Sports host, and he's done more than 40 solo skydives with the RAF, which I think when we added them up was just a few more than you, Tom, wasn't it? Uh, Well, yeah, it's about 40 more. Blatantly a massive overachiever. But obviously, I know who this is because I'm an excellent guesser. But for our listeners, can you give us a few more clues? Uh, You're a really rubbish guesser. I'll give loads more clues. He's also climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and Mont Blanc. He's given a Blue Peter badge, wait for this, to the Queen. That's the coolest fact. To the Queen, to the Queen. And he is president of the fantastic charity Blood Cancer UK. Actually, that's the best one. He is the absolutely wonderful Simon Thomas. Simon, welcome to the Electric Virgins podcast. Hello. How are you doing? Hello. What an intro. Simon, we had to kind of cut it down massively because, goodness me, you do so much stuff. You are busy. Yeah, I I have to say, when you start reeling off the BP stuff, because that's a while ago. I left in 2005, so it feels like another lifetime. But sometimes when people remind you of stuff and they'll read off a couple of things, and obviously because of the recent Platinum Jubilee, I've retold the Gold Blue Peter badge a few times. But it it just feels like another lifetime, and you kind of do have to pinch yourself and say, you actually did all that. It just feels a very long time ago. Uh, Anyway, we know you love sport. We know you love Blue Peter badges, but... What is your relationship with cars? Have you ever driven an electric car before? No. And are you into cars? Yeah, I am. I wouldn't describe myself as a, as a massive petrol head. I think my first real interest came through my uncle, so my dad's brother, Uncle Graham, uh, who's sadly no longer with us. But he used to restore. So in his retirement, he worked for the Bank of England for years, retired at 55, the lucky thing, had a rather large pension and ploughed it all in his time into restoring classic cars. Oh, my dream. And when we used to go and visit his house in Kent, which they'd bought because it had the largest triple garage I'd ever seen, in there was this treasure trove of either cars he was working on. So he had uh, a Lagonda, a Beardmore, he had an Austin 7, all sat in this garage. And I remember actually we went down into the garage and it it was a really surreal experience because you were kind of looking at all these things. And we all know in life that when you go, you can't take all your earthly stuff with him. But there were all these cars, four of them, I think, in the end, that he ploughed so many years into. So I had a real love of kind of classic cars. I mean, I've I've never owned something spectacular. I've had a kind of MG back in the day, uh, soft top, which I absolutely loved, but it was practical really bad news in terms of when Ethan arrived. It was no use at all with two seats, a tiny boot. But, you know, I I love my cars. And actually, my neighbour's got two electric cars. So that's been my only brush with the electric version of Have you been in them before? Have you passed Yeah, I have. Yeah, he's taken me to football a few times and he often gives Ethan, my son, a lift to to various things. I have been in them um, quite a number of times, but never, ever sat behind the steering wheel. So we were the first people silly enough to actually give you the keys to one, were we? Because your neighbours yes. banned you from driving his. Damn. Okay, <laughs> he was didn't risky. say banned. He just said he'd taken it to the football. It's not, it's not some sort of joyrider. Okay. Well, well, listen, let's find out what car we gave you. And, and I do hope that Uncle Graham uh, would have been happy with the choice of car. It was tricky because you are, mm. as we've already established, a man of many talents. Um, but we thought we, you needed something sporty, but obviously something that's uh, big enough for your son. 
And I guess to use a sporting analogy and a cheesy joke, we oh wanted God. a perfect all-rounder. Oh, God. Oh, yes, like it. Did you like that? Yeah, nice. We ended up with the Cooper Bourne. Um, mm. It's sort of a sportier, more cooler version of the VW ID3. So let's listen to your first impressions when your electric car arrived outside. This is a very, very good-looking car, if I'm honest. Not all electric cars I've seen are particularly good-looking, but this Cupra, <laughs> it's beautiful. And the front, it's got this lovely, lovely grille with this kind of copper colour around it and copper on the Cupra writing on the front. It looks quick. I've no idea if it is, but it looks really, really quick. <laughs> I love that. It's I lo such a lovely grill. <laughs> and I love the fact that it looked quick. Yeah. What was it that made you feel it looked quick? It's got a lovely shape to it and also just, just the finish on it. You know, some cars just, you know, aren't quick yet to look quick. And as I'm sure we'll come on to talk about, it was quick. Um, <laughs> but actually my wife, Tarina, you know, she, she's easily pleased when it comes to the look of cars. Straight away she said, I love the look of this car. Totally binned off the car we've already got. Yeah, I'm not interested <laughs> in that. It was, it was like a new man had walked into <laughs> into her life. <laughs> You're abandoned immediately. Yeah. They look like a trainer that a young person would wear. What, the That's a really yes. good example. It's it looks really like a trainer. <laughs> and I yeah. always look at it and go, I don't know why it looks faster than the ID3, which is exactly the same car, but a bit more conservative. Yeah. It just looks faster. It does. And it was. What did Ethan make of it when he first saw it? Well, you know, Jenny, you know what kids are like. It basically ticks the box because it's got a massive big screen in the middle. He said, that's like an iPad. So massive box ticked as soon as he sat down. I mean, I did, I did give him a little bit of an experience of the speed of it as well, which did slightly shock him when he was pinned into his seat as I shoved the old accelerator down on a national speed limit road, Absolutely. I should add. Um, <laughs> but then, no, it was the screen. He was just playing around with it. What does this do? And, but that's the thing about kids. He's 12 now, so he worked it out very, very quickly, far oh, quicker, yeah. actually, than I did. And he had to show you. My, that's my, what happened. Yeah. Uh, honestly, Simon, <laughs> my boy is 12 as well. And um, he just, I, I get cars into tests and it's literally like, right, Zach, come on, just get in this one. Show me how the screen works and the infotainment. That's it's nothing, so much that's, quicker that's than me figuring Zach's out. That's because really good at that sort of stuff and you're <laughs> yeah. absolutely rubbish. She can't, <laughs> the heat seat button is the only one she can find. God say I that. Can, you I'm are a, rubbish. I'm a, I'm a highly qualified automotive journalist, don't you Oh, you're you know? a good driver. You're just terrible with tech. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move this on, shall we? Let's find out what you thought about how it did drive, because, uh, yeah, this is a good one. Let's have a listen. One thing I've noticed, particularly when you're driving around built-up areas where you're going quite slowly, is that because the car is so, so quiet, you hear everything else. So you hear all the little imperfections in the road. So if you go over one in this car, you can really, really hear it. But you're, you're much more aware of the... The way the car's interacting with the road, oh, that's a bit of an odd thing to say, but because you can't really hear the hum of the engine like you would on a petrol or diesel car, you're kind of much more aware of all the other sounds, which is, I don't know, it's just different, but I like it. Well, you did like it, but you also liked, I'm going to go straight into this one, you also liked something else about that car quite a lot, so let's listen to this. This car does look sporty, so I'm just going to give the accelerator a little squeeze. Right, here we go. Oh, my days. That, <laughs> that is, that's good. Wowzers. That's taken me by surprise. This has got some serious poke. I just thought all the sporty looks on the outside were for kind of effect, but this actually is quick. That's instant electricity that gets you every time. 
that's the biggest single biggest difference I found in terms of driving it. I mean, I know I was talking there about the the sounds, but the first time because I, I've never owned a really you know supersonic quick car. I've owned a, a couple of quick cars, but there's always that lag when you stick your foot down. There's a yeah. you know feels like a forever, and then it kicks in and it goes. This I've never driven a car where it's instant. And it, it kind yeah. of pinned you back in your seat. And, you know, I'm sure you'll tell me it's not it's not that quick, but that was the biggest change for me was just the the instant response to putting your foot down. It's the reaction to it, isn't it? It always yeah. makes people go, oh, my gosh, that's how yeah. that works. It tails off after sort of 50 miles an hour, a little bit in yeah. those kind of cars. Yeah. Pulling away from the traffic lights and stuff, they're always, like, pretty quick. Oh, it's magnificent. Yeah. I think what was interesting for me listening to those two clips together was that with electric cars, you're so aware of your surroundings, aren't you? Yes. Then you, you put your foot down and, and the speed is, it, it's, it's quite a contrast, isn't it? Yeah, and it makes, this, it makes this sound, which I don't think the microphone picked up, that it's, it's, it's like a very sort of different sounding, slight tones of a jet engine. You can just hear something going through it. Yeah, and it's. I really loved it. I just loved that sound. It sounded like oh, I'm, you know, I'm I'm traveling in something really quick here. But then when you're just pottering around, I really liked that just just stillness, the the, the quietness of just. You feel like you're, you're kind of gliding until you hit a, a, a Buckinghamshire pothole. <laughs> <laughs> but the rest of it, you feel like you're gliding. The weird thing is that you don't realize how much an engine covers up the rest of the noise, do you? No, no, not until you drive one of these. So suddenly. It's all a bit like, oh, I can hear going over a speed bump. I, the first bit of your clip then, you heard you go over a speed bump or into a pothole yeah. or something. I don't think you'd have caught that noise. And a lot of people who are making electric cars now are realising that they've got to have better ceiling so you can't hear the wind rush and they've got to make the suspension quieter because there's no engine noise. So is, is the idea going forward to make it as calm a sound experience as possible? Well, there's the argument. Some people want more noise, as in they want mm. to hear more stuff, as in they want the motor to make a bit more of a whine to give them impression of speed. Some people want it to be completely quiet. Yeah. And so there's a bit of an argument going on. It was interesting um, just listening to some of your clips and just you know, thinking about your experience, because how did you go on with the range side of things, with the whole you know amount of range that you've got on your battery? Did you find that stressful? or Because you didn't really seem to get too stressed about that. No, I don't. To be honest, I don't. I don't get massively stressed about much in life anymore. Um, <laughs> I mean, Doreen and my wife did find it more stressful. She would constantly be looking at the the numbers on the screen and saying, "Do you think you need to charge it?" Um, I, I think what I would find stressful, and this was kind of the in my mind, the debate as to whether this is a good idea at the moment. If if we were to go down the electric route, is what's available round where I live? Because yeah, you know, the, the two times that I charged it, I was having to plug it into the mains here. And as you guys will know, and anyone who owns an electric car will know, that's a very very slow process. <laughs> yeah. It's nearly but empty. It's a good twenty four hours. It is, but obviously, if you've got access to off street parking, you'd have a home charger fitted, and then you do that fantastic thing of going to bed, plugging your car in, you wake up in the morning. Yeah. Um, I think with the challenges perhaps come a little bit when you want to go further afield and you're relying on the public charging mm. infrastructure. Um, and let's listen to this. I've just heard some nightmare stories. My neighbour has got a Peugeot and they go on holiday to Cornwall quite a bit. <laughs> and one thing he did is he didn't read classic bloke thing, didn't read the manual and didn't look at how extra weight in the car as in people and luggage affects the range of the battery and their little trip from Buckinghamshire to Cornwall took 15 hours what 
What yeah. happened? <laughs> what did he do? I'm sure you guys will tell me, and I started to learn this over the week that I had the Cooper, is you've got to kind of plan um, in terms of journeys, mm. in terms of having your, your battery fully charged. I think he did admit, my neighbour, that the guy selling in the car had told him this, but I think it didn't really register. And off they went. I mean, it went on a full charge. They got down the first bit of the journey, but then the battery's beginning to run out quicker than he thought because he's got three kids, a wife, and luggage. So (laughs) having driven it around here a lot with maybe just one or two others in the car, and he was getting decent range, starts on a long journey and it's going down a lot quicker. And then, of course, I don't know how, I'm sure you'll know how these kind of things work, but in terms of getting to a service station, he's got the app and stuff. He'd get there and find that the really rapid charge points were all taken up because it was summertime. Mm-hmm. And so they, they were sitting there on some of the slower charge points, waiting three, four hours to then start the next bit of their journey. That was the worry I had if I, if I got one around here. Obviously, I could charge it at home. But if, if say, I needed a really rapid charge done, because I got, I think it's called the Zap app, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So I got that. And I actually thought it was a really good app because what it does is it tells you where the available fast charge points are around where you live. The only problem is, is that I would look at them all and underneath, people leave reviews. Now, you know, guys, that in life, people don't leave good reviews. No, they only <laughs> ever leave bad ones. <laughs> And there was a lot of bad reviews. There was one about one that's about a mile away from here. So I thought I could go and give, because I wanted to go and give it a test just to see, you know, how rapidly it works, you know, what I could do if I was going to go down there and get it rapidly charged. That one, the reviews has not worked in the last six months. Another one not too far away from me said, went there, and it was only two days before I was looking at the app, went there Tuesday, plugged the car in, went into town for a couple of hours, came back, it had done nothing. Yeah. So that that's the only thing in my mind I'm thinking until like my local network gets better. Obviously, I'd get the proper equipment installed here at home. That's still at the moment what would count against me going fully electric. It's yeah. the fear. I think we're in a really yeah. interesting point with infrastructure because it's been a bit like, I said, it's like the Wild West. Um, so you've had all these individual companies putting charges in all over the place. Mm. A few would go in in a car park. Some others would go in, you know, in the back of a, you know, Holiday Inn or something. And then often they've not been looked after properly. You know, companies might have been bought by other companies. So we're at a point where there is loads of charging infrastructure. It is definitely getting better. But there are a lot more electric cars on the road, as your neighbour found out. You know, there are weights now. So I, I think we're at this point now where it's all starting to come together. We are not there yet. And it's got to start moving really quickly because the challenges are not when you charge at home, as you will do. It's when you want to do a long journey. And that's yeah. potentially where you do get the issues at the minute. And I'm assuming that with your job, somebody could say to you, tomorrow you've got to be in Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. So you might rely on public charging and you want it to be really seamless i mean i've done road trips where every single thing has worked and it's taken me no longer to do that road trip yeah and then when it's bad it can be really bad it's very very horrid (laughs) well that's a really good point because i was i i actually got a call through on friday night now the cooper had gone by this point but i got a call very late on on friday from bbc sunday morning live saying there's a filming shoot happening tomorrow. Are you able to head down to the South Coast? It's some boys who are rowing the Atlantic in a, in a few months' time. And, and, and I said, yeah, I am. Actually, I am free and I can go. But, of course, I've got my own car, my own diesel car. So it was, it was no problem. Now, if I'd still had the Cooper or had an electric car and I haven't fully charged it, then that 
becomes maybe a little bit more complicated in terms of am I going to get enough yeah, yeah in it to get down to Portsmouth and and maybe actually once I get there am I going to be having to hang around a couple of hours to get it charged to get home so that's where maybe at the moment it would get more complicated it's a really interesting point actually because I for me I think the big thing the big switch we've got to make with electric is making new habits Mm. So we're really used to, aren't we, letting our cars go right the way down with petrol and diesel. I'm terrible, as you know. Especially now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You do, you put we, in what you we need. We call her the amber light warrior. <laughs> <laughs> I am one of those people who would always run it low. And like you say, it, particularly now, who's filling up their tank fully now? Well, my wife hates it because I'm a no-range Neil. I, I, will, <laughs> ah, I, a, I will let it, no I'll range, let it get no. down to naught. And then think, you know that's right. bad for the car. There's whole there's it? loads of things it shouldn't do. Nothing will make you change that habit. If you if no. you are that person, you are that person. There's, a, there's an <laughs> argument though at the minute where if everywhere has what's called destination charging. So if you every hotel you went to had an yeah. overnight charger at it, and every pub you went to, and every place you went to, you it's called grazing. Um, so every time you turn up, you just plug your car in because there's the facility there. Ah. And they're cheaper to put in than those big, massive rapid chargers that you see. So if everywhere you went, you just plugged your car in when you parked, you would never get range anxiety because the car would top itself up all the time. That's a really good point because I had the car leading up to the Platinum Jubilee weekend. So on the Thursday, the first of the bank holidays, we went as a family to Waddesdon Manor, which is about a half an hour drive from here. And it's a beautiful National Trust house if anyone's been there. Massive, massive grounds. Uh, and we went there for the afternoon. And, and when we got there, now I didn't need to charge the car and it was plenty of charging and we could get there and back with ease. So off we went. And, and when I got there, you know, it's a very nicely kept National Trust car park, but there were at least eight fast charge points in the National Trust car park in this in this area of countryside. So I guess, you know, Tom, that's what you're, you're talking about, just those little points where you can just top up. Yeah, that really came across, I think, in your week. So let's listen to this clip because I think it's about often just learning new stuff and making new habits, and that's half the battle with going electric. Let's take a listen. You're kind of with an electric car learning a new language. So on the big screen, I've just put in the display where you can see what the car's doing. And instead of miles per gallon, it's got miles per kilowatt, which is telling me 3.2, which I'll be honest, means absolutely nothing to me. I don't know if that's good, that's bad. Um, and it's telling me, uh, to be honest, I've, I've got to learn a new language here. I don't know what a lot of this stuff means. Yeah, it's new mm. stuff, isn't it? I know it? how fast yeah. you're you driving. <laughs> Do you? What? How fast? You'd been doing a lot of heavy acceleration at that point, or you'd been on a motorway. It's one of the two. <laughs> I'd be doing a lot of heavy acceleration, yeah. There you go. And that's the thing. Did you realise how much new stuff there was to learn with an electric car? Was that an eye-opener for you? Yeah, I think the language in terms of working out what it's doing, because obviously having driven petrol and diesel cars for as long as I can remember... Mm, it's ingrained. I know what to look at and I'll, I'll have my miles per gallon on the dash and so I'll, I'll know and I always put I've got a Volvo XC90 and I just always put it in economic mode particularly in long journeys and I can I'm always keeping an eye on what it's doing and thinking you know just keep the acceleration down keep it 70 on the motorway and all those kind of things which goes against what I want I know that's legal but you want to go a bit quicker get there a bit quicker but I don't so it's kind of just adjusting yourself to looking at the screen and going okay that means this that's what that means in terms of whether I'm driving particularly efficiently at the moment. So your miles per kilowatt hour is basically like your MPG. It's, your, it's a measure okay. of efficiency. So yeah. your battery is measured in kilowatt hours, which is how big your battery is. If you're getting, say, three miles per kilowatt hour, 
your entire range is three times what your battery capacity is. But the trouble is I'm crap at maths. (laughs) (laughs) So I haven't just had to learn new terminology. I've also got, it's like if you play darts, you get better at mental arithmetic. You do. If you get an electric car, you get better at mental arithmetic as well. Yeah, you do. Another reason for getting one. And then there's the other thing is, to add into that, if there's all those things like, you know, your neighbour who went off on his holidays with the car loaded up and that has an impact at extra Mm. weight and driving a car in winter when it's cold because the batteries don't like that. The way Simon Thomas drives things. Yeah, they also don't like the way you drive, which is really (laughs) being quite heavy on your right foot. (laughs) Hey, listen, it was only, only in those little stretches. (laughs) You were testing. Yeah, you've got to test these things, you know. (laughs) It's absolutely fine. But you do learn as you go along, don't you? You learn how to get the best out of your car. And I think particularly at the moment for petrol, diesel cars, we're we're all, well, I certainly am, I'm learning the the most efficient way to get from A to B. That You know, I think with electric cars, it would be just a case of learning as you go as to how you get the best out of it and get the best range. That's exactly right. Now, uh, Simon, um, we electrified you for a week. So uh, mm. we think you're a bit of an expert by now. <laughs> no, I'm so, really not. Oh, you are. So yeah, well, you are. You are. We're going to test your knowledge because uh, I'm sure you read all the manuals and, you know, you gend up on everything. You read all the guides that we sent you, didn't you? Yeah, didn't kind you? of. No, I did. did. did I did read those. <laughs> You've been scouring electrifying.com for all the information yes. about how to go electric. Anyways, as I'm sure you know, together with Green Flag, we have a word of the day that appears on our site every morning. Oh, yeah. You I were aware of that. It's word of the day. <laughs> Don't do I that. I love the theme tune. <laughs> I invented the theme tune on my own. Um, what we want to do is just to see whether you've been paying attention. So what we're going to do is give you a description of a common electric car term. It's very common. You have been using it. There's a hint. And all you have to do is choose the correct answer. Right? Okay. okay. Drum roll, please. Uh, Simon uh, Thomas. What is the term for an electric car charging cable that has a three-pin socket and can be used only in emergencies, ideally, to add some range? Is it A... A snail charger. Is it B... A granny charger. Or is it C... A slow coach charger. And if you don't get this... I'm going to sack you. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> so, snail charger, granny charger or slow coach charger? Yeah, snail charger. No! <laughs> That's terrible. It's the one you would. It's a granny charger. Fail. It's a granny. Why is it called a granny charger? I think it's called a granny charger. Um, I, I hope anyway, because it's when you go to visit your granny, she would never had a home charger unit, a home charger ah. installed, so you'd have to plug it into the three pin. I hope it's that reason. And, and nothing we were going to come unkind. up with another name for it because we thought it was a bit weird against granny. All right, maybe we just from now on, Simon, you've come up with a solution. We'll start calling it a snail charger. Because that works too. I did have a bit of a mess with the charges at first. Because, oh, go on. <laughs> uh, well, I should have just chatted to my neighbour, actually. <laughs> what, what a brilliant idea. Talk to someone who's been running electric cars. Who has two electric cars, <laughs> literally 20 yards away. Um, because I, I sort of brought the extension cable out of the garage, plugged it all in, uh. popped the cable into the side of the car. The white light went to green. And I thought, lovely. Went back to the lounge, watched a bit of telly. I just sort of peeped actually from where I'm sat now in the window just to look out and the light was red and it kept happening. Did it not like the extension cable? No. So what I did is actually (laughs) where I'm sat here, I fed the cable through the window. Yeah, we've all been there. Direct into the mains 
and it remained green. The problem was, though, is that although the window was still half locked, because I had to leave a gap, my wife, Doreen, wasn't overly happy about overnight there just being a slightly ajar window downstairs for security yeah. reasons. I managed to persuade her, I said, look, it won't be fully charged in the morning if I don't do it. But I learned that lesson very quickly. You, you can't just bang it into an, ex- an extension lead. It can't cope with it. It's got to go straight into the mains. Can I ask a question? Why didn't you just go knock on the door of your lovely neighbour who's got two electric cars and a home charger and just say, could I charge my car at yours overnight? Ginny, you know why. This is a stupid male pride thing, isn't it? We want to work these things out ourselves. We don't want to admit failure or defeat, so we battle on and waste four hours of charging, going to and fro from the lounge, going, why is the light flipping red again? Plug it back in, goes green, come back again, it's gone red again. It's pride, basically. Could have rung me. And nearly shorted your house in the process by doing the one thing <laughs> yeah. you really shouldn't do, which is I use know. an extension cable yes, into the to charge your electric car. Oh, Simon, Simon, Simon. But the car was fine. <laughs> it's fire risk. Thomas is back in the room. But the good yeah. thing, though, about you know, if you do have any kind of little mishaps with your electric car, uh, the great thing is that Green Flag will come out if you are unlucky enough for that to happen. They will send a specialist from your closest garage and they will come to give you a hand. Do you know what? I've heard they'll do that day or night. They will do that day or night. Don't panic. Yeah, they will. You'll... Like, even if it's dusk. You'll, you'll get covered if you need to get to the chippy. Don't worry. Would they have come out to help someone who's just being a bit of a charging numpty? No, I, they'll just laugh at I, you over the, the phone. Well, yeah, they might laugh at you first, but then they will come out to help you. And oh. it's interesting, actually, because electric cars actually don't break down in the same way that um, traditional cars do, because they've got really few moving parts. There's only 20 moving parts in an electric car, Simon. Did you know that? Well, I have to say, I opened the bonnet on it because this is my natural curiosity and it's as soon as you do you realize how it's just very different it looks so much simpler than if i open the bonnet on my car in terms of what's in there you're at the wrong end for that car was i (laughs) because the motor and um all the rest of the stuff is at the back it's rear drive is it ah we listened to your audio diaries yes i actually get the impression that you quite liked it didn't you i i'm going to be honest enough tom to say I, i was a little bit sad when it went Um, Yeah, and Darina was sad as well. We were like, oh. And you were okay with the charging side because you actually sort of started to see how you could do it, even if it wasn't the best in the week. Yeah, I think I would need... What what I didn't do in the week that I had it just because of work and stuff is I I didn't do a a truly long distance in it. Um, So I think one of the questions I had is, you know, thankfully my mum is is in good health, but there she lives in North Norfolk in Cromer. So that's that's around about 145 miles from where I am in Buckinghamshire. Really weirdly, I was there in North and I went in an electric car not long ago. And actually there's some really good charging hubs that have just opened up there, which are, you know, we're talking about the infrastructure changing a lot. Mm. There were a few. There was not just the big one in Norwich, the big uh, GridServe one. And they were brilliant because they were fast charging, loads of them. So it's quite refreshing. But you're right. What you need to do is to see that, to know that if your mum needs you, there is somewhere yes. you could go and you could charge. So it's it's about that, I guess, is it? Yeah, I think that's that's the only thing I, I'd want to see better around here is just the local infrastructure. Because coming back, Ginny, to what something you said earlier, is a lot of those fast charge points here are just single ones in really random locations. Mm. Like there's a, there's a theatre near here called the El Giva Theatre. There, there's one in there, but it's just <laughs> one. It's been out of order for six months. So I think... When the infrastructure really begins to catch up, I mean, I said to Doreen, I said, look, I think, 
you know, this is definitely something I want to think about in the future mm-hmm. in terms of my next car. But I think oh. locally, I'd want to see things get a bit better before taking that jump. Okay, so I think I know your answer to this, but would you, Simon Thomas, consider for your next car an electric vehicle? Yes, I would. And I would say that prior <laughs> uh, prior to to having the Cooper, and it, not just because it was a Cooper, because it gave you sense of what it would be like to have you know, electric car, okay, yeah. I didn't have the long journey to count into that, is that, you know, by the end of it, I thought, actually, I could make this work. I haven't even experienced what it's like to have a proper charging point at home, so things to be quicker on that front. So I, by the end of it, I thought, yeah, I, I'd, I'd want to do this next time around. Oh, that is absolutely brilliant. Well, you have been an absolute joy. Thank you for being such a good yeah, sport. Great. Converted. Um, <laughs> it does seem, yeah, the perfect time to end the podcast. And uh, thank you, Simon, for giving up your time selfishly. Absolute pleasure. Selflessly. Selfishly. Even, even selflessly. <laughs> thank you, It was so Simon. selfish of you to take the car back. <laughs> I think that every time. You've been an absolute joy, and we are really happy that we have converted you to the cause. It was easy, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm easily pleased. He's very easy, is this, Thomas? Well, that is it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed hearing about Simon's first time, oh, God, I don't believe this is... I hate this bit. It always sounds really creepy. (laughs) And let's face it, we never forget our first time, do we, in an electric car I'm talking about. Uh, Please do like, subscribe, (laughs) share, spread the word. And if you want to know more about electric cars, we've got everything you need to know about making the switch over at electrifying.com. Thank you, Simon. Thomas. Goodbye. Pleasure, guys. 